What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a podcast we call At The Buzzer. I'm your host, Garrick Niffin. This is episode 37 of At The Buzzer. Today, I'll be talking about Andrew Wiggins, the Boston Celtics, introducing a new segment called Garrick's an Idiot, and I will give you guys my selections for the NBA All-Bus Team. Uh, first off, we got, of course, touch on the Players of the Week. James Harden was the Western Conference Player of the Week as he averaged 41 points, uh, nine assists, and eight rebounds for the week. Uh, as we all know, James Harden can roll out of bed and average 35 at this point in his career. The way the Rocket systems work, it seems like, because at this point, it doesn't even matter if he's not hitting shots efficiently, as we've seen. He can shoot 30-something percent from the field for a stretch of time and still average similar to the same points per game that he was averaging last year. So James Harden's going to go down I think is you know statistically one of the highest scores ever just because he's putting up numbers like this back-to-back years I I mean who's to say he doesn't do it for a couple more years in the D'Antoni system if they continue to you know just keep rocking with D'Antoni as the head coach and you know live or die through Harden um but you know the Rockets are starting to win a few more games they've They've moved up in the standings. They were out of the out of the playoff picture for a little while, but they're back in that now. I believe at let me check here. I believe third or fourth in the standings. Um, but yeah, Harden's been playing very very good lately. Uh, obviously, third in the standings. There you go. But um, obviously, playing good to average forty one nine and eight. Uh, Harden is the only guy that can make those numbers seem not as ridiculous as they actually are because we're so accustomed to it. Uh, Pascal Siakam was the Eastern Conference Player of the Week. He averaged 30 points a game, uh, a little bit over 11 rebounds, and he shot 52% from the field. Uh, And the Toronto Raptors are third in the East right now. I told you guys I'm not going to get too much into uh, MVP conversations until a little later. We're only 10 games, so I want to give it a little more time. Uh, If not by next week, the week after that, I should probably be – I'll start talking a little bit more about that. But at this point, Siakam – you guys have heard it. They're starting to toss his name around in the MVP conversation. Um, like I said, it's 10 games. He just had a really good week. Uh, he's been playing great, don't get me wrong, but I'm not going to get carried away into the Pascal Siakam MVP case too much until I see it for a little bit longer. That being said, his skill set's ridiculous. Uh, it's very herky-jerky and kind of unorthodox, but it, it's very effective. He he absolutely baked Kyle Kuzma against the Lakers the other night. Kuzma guarded him, and he went 7-for-7 seven seven on Kuzma. So this dude can get a bucket, and now I get it. Kyle Kuzma's not an elite defender by any means. I'm, I'm fully aware of that. But still, Siakam's skill set is very, very good. Uh, so I'm not going to say he, there's no way he can be the MVP. I just need to see it for a little bit longer to even consider that as an option. Um, Next thing... Has Andrew Wiggins figured it out, you guys? This is one, again, could be early, could be premature. He could just be having a little hot streak. But Andrew Wiggins is looking like kind of what we hoped Andrew Wiggins was going to be as an NBA player. Uh, He's averaging 25.5 points a game, 4.8 rebounds, 3.3 assists, 1.1 blocks, and 47% field goal percentage. Uh, Those are all career highs right there. Uh... And yeah, that is a little disappointing in terms of, for all the gifts he has, 4.8 boards, 3.3 assists, 47% from the field. Those are the best numbers he's ever averaged, and uh, this is, what is this? This is year five for Wiggins here. Um, But I mean, nonetheless, 
he's been balling. His last, what is it, his last four games, uh, he's gone 33, six boards, five assists, 25, four boards, five assists, 40 points, five boards, seven assists, 30 points, six assists, two steals. And the Timberwolves are currently the eight seed. So Andrew Wiggins has, has been playing great. I can't, I really don't have anything negative to say about it other than is he going to resort to the Andrew Wiggins we're all used to or will he continue this and actually become an elite wing player? Not just a wing scoring threat. He's always kind of gotten buckets on the low low, but I'm talking a guy that can impact the game on the defensive end, uh, offensively, not just through jacking up shots, but by taking good shots, being efficient, and as you've seen with his assist numbers lately, making plays for his teammates. Andrew Wiggins has always been a guy that can get close to 20 a game just rolling out of bed. But to me, it's about can he can he do more than that? Can Andrew Wiggins make more than just that happen? And I'm sorry, this is actually Andrew Wiggins' sixth year in the league. I misspoke earlier. I had to double-check that there real quick. Um, but he's been playing great. I mean, Wiggins did. We kind of like to forget, but he did average 23 uh, the year before Jimmy got to Minnesota. Uh, and, you know, maybe... And and I like Tibbs as a coach. He's a hard-nosed defensive guy. But maybe just that dynamic as a coach didn't fit with Wiggins. And then obviously, you know, I, I, I'm not going to blame Jimmy because you guys know I'm a big Jimmy Butler fan. But, it you know, everyone's different. It could have mentally thrown Wiggins off to have to play with Jimmy. Jimmy being in his head in practice, possibly, things like that. Wiggins may not be built for that. Now, that doesn't mean he's not built to do what he's doing right now and average, you know, over 25 and be an impactful player. It might just have to be in a certain environment. You know, they, they've got um, Ryan Saunders, uh, Flip Saunders' son is the coach, and, and they, they seem bought in. The Timberwolves seem bought in. Um, I think having a young coach, maybe a little more positive, those kind of things, can be good for a group that seems to be, well, at least, you know, Cat and Wiggins and this is just off of the information I know as a random 22-year-old that has no sources in the NBA, is that they maybe tend to be a little bit more sensitive and a little bit softer, so you need a coach that does that. It's not even necessarily a bad thing. It's just worked out the way it has. So we'll see if Wiggins can keep it going, uh, but I like what I've seen from him so far. Moving on. Uh, Boston's the real deal, you guys. They've got the best record in the league. Um, their balance is absolutely scary. Kemba's averaging 25. I think that will come down a little bit closer to a low 20s. Um, but still, nonetheless, Kemba's averaging 25. Jalen Brown's averaging 19.8, while Tatum's averaging 19.4. Hayward, who's unfortunately now out for six weeks with a hand injury, was averaging 18.9 a game as well. So the four guys you were really hoping could be scoring threats for you, perimeter scoring threats, that kind of a thing, have all played really well. Hayward has been an absolute delight to see how well he's played early on in the season. And also Marcus Smart's averaging 11.1 points per game. So good balance scoring attack, you know, five guys in double digits, but not five guys in double digits, like 12 double digits, but 25 and then high 19, uh, 18.9. That's basically 19 a game. And then Smart at 11. I believe Cantor's averaging about seven. He's their next guy. And then down the list, it kind of drops off. But they're just... They look like the Celtics we've expected to see with the Brad Ste- with Brad Stevens as the coach, and that's a well-balanced team that executes, knows their X's and O's, plays defense, and wins games not on the back of an individual like they were kind of trying to do with Kyrie a little bit more last year, but on 
playing basketball the right way. You love to see it. Now, one thing I do worry about with this Boston team, and maybe it won't, it, I don't think it ne will necessarily cause problems during the regular season. This is a team that could be the number one team in the Eastern Conference by the end of the year, just because teams that are really well balanced like that oftentimes do really well in the regular season. This could be a team that wins 60 games. They're well coached. Like, I, I can't say enough good things about them as a team. Now, if they're the one seed once they get to the playoffs, the lack of a go-to guy, and not obviously you've got guys that you can throw the ball to and they can get a bucket. Tatum can obviously do that. Kemba can obviously do that. Jalen Brown can do that to a certain extent. And, he, and when Gordon Hayward gets back, as long as he comes back at full strength again, he can do that as well. But do you have a guy that can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Giannis? Do you have a guy that can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Embiid? You, you know, it, it be, that becomes a little more of my concern with them. Now, I, in the Eastern Conference, you might be able to get away with it. But I have a hard time seeing a team like this match up with either of the teams in L.A. Or, or even Houston, really. Or even, you know, you know Denver, even. And, and Denver's, again, they're another team that's really well-balanced and stuff. But do you have a guy that can match up with Jokic? And I know it's basketball. It's not just matching up star for star who's got the better team. That's not what it is. I'm not buying into all that. I get that. But we know how playoff series goes. Once you start getting into those long, drawn-out, seven-game, battle-it-out, toughness, just grit, who wants it more kind of series, it's going to be interesting to see how Boston goes in that series in a series like that. Uh, I Even though they have the best record in the Eastern Conference and they may finish with that, I don't necessarily know if they're I, – I'm not bought into Boston being the best team in the Eastern Conference by any means right now. Now, uh, you know, I'm obviously rooting for the Clippers to make the finals. Now, if the Clippers don't make the finals, I do think an interesting series, not from a playing perspective, but from a legacy kind of perspective, would be a Lakers-Celtics finals just because I think the Lakers would probably win that series. And it would be a, a cool thing to see the Lakers tie the Celtics in overall championships by beating the Celtics in the finals to tie that up. Now I don't think that happens. You guys know I'm I'm my kind of preseason pick was more Milwaukee is who I was thinking would would make the run to the finals in the East. But Boston looks really good, way better than I expected them to look. Um, it shows having the best player Kyrie doesn't necessarily always result in the kind of uh, team ball or just the kind of style you want to play that getting a guy who's maybe not quite as good Kemba but he wants to buy into what they're doing he he's bought into what Brad Stevens is selling he's bought into a very team oriented thing and look at he's benefiting from it averaging 25 a game which is more than Kyrie averaged last year so you know a, a very good start to the to the season for Boston uh moving on to the new segment I want to call it um you know, it's only because of a certain thing that occurred that gave me the idea to start this segment, but based off of my, well, uh, just who I am, I could see this segment occurring more frequently. And this segment is called, Garrig is an Idiot. And the reason we're playing Garrig is an Idiot today is because I did not watch a single NBA game on Friday. Uh, I was hanging out with some buddies and we were watching, we were streaming a college basketball game, which is fine. It was still, it was fun to watch all those kind of things, but 
I missed out on, I think, to this point, the best day of NBA basketball that's been offered of the season. Think about Friday. We had Timberwolves-Golden State went to overtime. Wiggins had 40, and D'Angelo Russell had 52 in the loss. Pascal Siakam had 44 points and 10 rebounds in a win against the Pelicans. Jokic hit a game winner with 1.2 seconds left against the Sixers. Bogdanovich hit a game winner at the buzzer to beat the Bucks for the Jazz. And Damian Lillard had 60 points in a loss to the Nets. And I didn't watch a freaking lick of any of that. I did not see it. I'm mad. Still mad. What is today? Tuesday. Happened Friday. Still upset. Couldn't even, didn't even watch one of them. Didn't watch one of them. I try to watch at least one game a night, if not more. Typically, I'll, I'll use League Pass and I'll kind of float around and try and watch, you know, the closest games or games that are coming down to the wire, that kind of a thing. Uh, and that night, just kind of got caught up hanging with my friends and, and didn't watch it uh, and missed out on, like I said, I think the best night of the NBA so far. So that is our first installment of Garrig is an Idiot. Like I said, I think this is a segment that will be making a return at some point. Um, at this point, hopefully it never comes again from me just missing a bunch of good games, but who knows, it definitely could happen. Um, I think more likely it'll just be for me just making bad predictions probably is where that segment will come in again. But be on the lookout for the new segment at the, the, uh, the At The Buzzer podcast, and that is Garrig is an Idiot. All right, you guys, uh, this is my little my little fun thing of the day. You guys know sometimes I'll do top five, top ten lists, things like that. Uh, probably in the next couple weeks, I'll do a, my current top ten best NBA players within the next few weeks. Uh, it's just still too, it's still a little early for me to jump quite into that. But I had an idea that I wanted to try today, and that is I wanted to create an NBA all-bus team. So that's... Uh, a starting lineup of five players. I'm going by position. So I'm not just going to pick the five biggest busts ever. Because uh, when you go back and you start looking at some of the all-time busts, most of them are bigs. They're usually four or fives. Um, so I had to kind of do a little more research based off of you know what I already know. And then obviously digging into the stats to kind of back up whether or not these are actually the biggest busts at their position. Um, I want to explain to you guys what I take into account before I made the list. So, uh, where you were drafted is taken into consideration in terms of were you drafted into a dysfunctional organization? Were you drafted to somewhere where you weren't able to get minutes right away? But also, where were you drafted in terms of in the draft? Were you first overall, second, third? Uh, because obviously, if you're the first overall pick, a lot more expectations come with that than being, let's say, the eighth overall pick. Now, you can still absolutely make the list if you're, you know, a top 15 pick because you're expected to at least come in and contribute to a certain degree. And if you're not really capable of that, you know, that that obviously makes you a bust. Also, compared to what you were doing in college for some of these guys, some of these guys were so great in college. And then they came in the league and really couldn't figure it out. So that also plays into effect as well because you can't set everyone's standards that you're some 20-plus point-a-game guy and then you come in the league and you can't average double digits. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you can, obviously. Everyone's allowed to do what they want. I'm not. I'm really not a hater. This is just me breaking down 
who I think produce least compared to what we expected from them. Um, obviously, another thing taken into consideration, your production, that should go without saying, what did you do in the league? How long did you stay in the league? Some guys there, some, you know, some guys that hung around for a long time, even though they didn't produce what we were expecting them to. And then there's some guys that were out of the league quick. Um, injuries play a factor, but they can't be the only reason you make the all bust team. So a guy coming in, getting drafted and he gets hurt and then tries to play and gets hurt again. He's not a bust. He's injury prone and that sucks. But I, I'm not going to put a guy that's played 50 career games because he could just never get healthy and had career-ending injuries. Stuff like that, you're not going to see as much. Um, now, granted, uh, injuries definitely do occur. And I do have one guy on the team that played one season. And I'll, once I get to him, I'll explain a little more why he actually did make the list. Um, because it's not just that he got injured, it's the way he got injured that I have to kind of feed into him being a bust. And I'll, and trust me, some people won't agree, but I'll explain that one. Um, first off, I'll give you my two honorable mention guys. Uh, honorable mention, Kwame Brown. Uh, a lot of you guys probably, you know, he's kind of the name that gets thrown around as actually the greatest bust ever. But when you look into Kwame's numbers a little more, I'll, I'll explain it here. Kwame was the first overall pick in 2001. He played 607 games, which is more than just, let me make sure, but I think that's more than every single person I have on this list. Yeah, it is. He's played more games than every single person on this list. So, so that does speak to something in terms of, okay, he wasn't obviously worthy of a number one overall pick, but he did find a way to bounce around the league a little bit and get on rosters, even if it was as, you know, an end of the bench kind of guy. There is some value to that more than, you know, some of these other guys. Um, 607 games, 6.6 points per game, 5.5 rebounds, 0.9 assists, uh, and he shot 49% from the field for his career. For a backup, those aren't actually the most atrocious numbers you've ever seen, but it's the fact he's a number one overall pick. So yeah, he's honorable mention, but uh, the center I have starting on the, on the all-bust team, I think you guys will see how he's more of a bust. Uh, the other honorable mention, a lot of people... Uh, would consider, you know, he's another one that gets thrown in the greatest bust of all time conversation. That's Sam Bowie. Uh, he was a second overall pick in 1984. He played 511 games. Uh, he he uh, he scored 10.9 points per game, 7.5 rebounds, 2.1 assists, 45% field goal percentage. Now, when you hear those numbers, you think, well, those aren't actually the most like those aren't the biggest bust numbers actually and you're 100 percent right that's why he wasn't my starting center on the all bust team now the reason sam Bowie gets thrown into this conversation more is because of who went after him after sam Bowie, michael jordan uh and then and then i believe fifth overall was barkley down the list a little bit then came uh, alvin roberts robertson and john stockton so you have, you know, 
in my opinion, the second greatest player of all time, but most people would consider him the greatest player of all time, got drafted right after you. And the only reason the guy that got drafted first in this draft isn't on the list is because that's freaking Hakeem Olajuwon. And even though he's not Michael Jordan, he's still, you know, one of the greatest centers of all time. So, obviously, Hakeem doesn't make it. But Bowie, even though he had an okay career, 511 games, there are guys that have played a lot less. 10.9 10.9 points, a lot of guys that have scored averaged a lot less for their career, 7.5 rebounds, even though he's enormous, that's still not the worst rebounding total, so his numbers aren't terrible, but he, he was hurt a lot, he, he wasn't able to play on a consistent basis, and then he made nowhere near the impact of the guys that got drafted after him, and I get MJ wasn't the MJ we know at North Carolina, but he turned into the MJ we all know. So you have to kind that does weigh against Bowie a little bit. Um, where like, let's say Kwame, Kwame had some good guys get drafted behind him. Tyson Chandler, Pau Gasol, Joe Johnson, Gilbert Arenas, Tony Parker, Zach Randolph, Gerald Wallace, some really, really good pros. Some, uh, you know, Tony Parker will probably be a hall of, he'll be a hall of famer. I mean, some, some really good, good pros. But nothing like MJ. So Bowie is a little higher up on the list, maybe. Um, but I have a hard time calling him a bust based off production as much because his numbers are decent, but more off of the injuries did hurt him, and he was just nowhere near the the level of player of the guys that were drafted after him. Um, all right, we'll get into the team here. The starting point guard for Garrick Niffin's all-bust NBA team is Jay Williams. Drafted in 2002, he was looked at as a can't-miss prospect. Uh, 2002, it was it was him and Yao that year. Those are the two big guys coming into the league that year from the rookie class. Uh, before I get into his pro stuff, let me read you Jay Williams' college resume. He played three years at Duke. During his three years, he averaged 19.3 points per game, six assists, 2.2 steals, Listen to what he did. He was an NCAA champion, NCAA all-tourney and all-region, two-time consensus All-American, Wooden Award, Naismith Award winner, three-time All-ACC, and he was the ACC tournament MVP. Jay Williams has one of the best college basketball resumes, like one of the best ever. And when you hear his pro stats, he's a little bit in that Sam Bowie consideration where his numbers don't necessarily say, oh, well, he was a bust. His first year, he averaged 9.5 points per game, 4.7 assists, 1.1 steals. I mean, that's solid, right? We we would consider that relatively solid. Yeah, he's a second overall pick. You would maybe hope for a little more production. Uh, he went to Chicago. He played 75 games his first year. Now, the problem is those are the only 75 games he played because he got into a tragic motorcycle accident and messed himself up, uh, and never played again. Uh, riding the motorcycle was a violation of his contract, technically, so the Bulls didn't even have to pay him, and the next year they just drafted Kirk Heinrich and moved in a different direction, uh, and, and Jay Williams never played in the league again. Now, I know I told you guys, injuries don't, they play a, a little bit of a factor, but they don't you know determine whether you make this team or not, but my thing is Jay Williams, and I and I'm not. I really like Jay Williams. I, he, you know, he's obviously on ESPN all the time. I listen to him a lot. But his injury wasn't 
oh, I got cut off as I was going up for a dunk and I tore my ACL. It 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 was not good decision making on his part, uh, and it resulted in you know, and obviously he's regretful of. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to beat him down over this or whatever. I'm sure he's had plenty of time to think about his mistakes and stuff with riding the motorcycle. But here's the thing: most point point guards that get drafted high typically have panned out to at least be solid. Jay Williams is one of the few guys that got drafted really, really high, and, and he's only played 75 games. And compare, and even if you want to just go off based off his rookie year, not that he's a bust, but he way underachieved based off his, the numbers he was averaging, especially his third year at Duke. Um, it's tough. I, I didn't love putting Jay Williams on this list, to be 100% honest with you. But like I said, he's not, Jay Williams is nowhere near a top five all-time bust. But by position, he might, you know, he's probably the point guard bust because he was drafted second overall. Um, and, and, you know, it just didn't work out for him. Uh, like I said, I still like Jay Williams, all those things, but you didn't play a lot. You played 75 games, you played one season, you averaged nine points a game, and then that was it. So it's hard, it, it, it's hard, it's a bummer the way everything worked out for him, but that's who I'm going to pick as my starting point guard in the all-bust team. Uh, behind him was drafted uh, guys that went after him. Amari Stoudemire, Karam Butler, Tayshaun Prince, Carlos Boozer, Matt Barnes. So not an overwhelming amount of just ridiculous uh, you know, talent, but still some guys that definitely had better NBA careers than what he did, most definitely. Shooting guard, uh, Jimmer Fredette. He was drafted 10th overall. Jimmer is the lowest drafted guy on the all-bust team. Um, but let's compare, again, his college to his pro. His last year at BYU, he averaged 28.9 points per game. He was an All-American, a Wooden Award winner, and the Naismith Award winner. Uh, and then in the NBA, um, his career averages are 6 points a game, 1 rebound, 1.4 assists. He played 241 games. Not not a ton of games for a 10th overall pick. Um, he bounced around from sack. Um, yeah, he's bounced around from, from sack to uh, Chicago for eight games, to New Orleans, played with the Knicks for two games, then didn't play in the league for two years, and then last year actually uh, finished the year up with the Suns and played six games with them. And then as you see this year, he's not on an NBA team. Uh, I like Jimmer. Uh, he's actually he's turned himself into a very good uh, player in China, but by NBA standards, he's a bust. Um, and shooting guard is again another position. There's not some just outright obvious. And Jimmer, I know he played the point too, but he played the shooting guard as well. And and there's not just some outright, no doubt about it, shooting guard that makes this list. There was no over, number one overall pick at the shooting guard spot that just was an absolute flop in the league. And not to say Jimmer's an absolute flop, but based off of the way he was scoring in college, he didn't score like that at all in the NBA. He he, you know, he would hit some threes here and there or whatever. Let's see what his career three-point percentage is. His career three-point percentage is 37%, so not terrible, but Jimmer was one of the most Jimmer was doing Steph stuff before Steph was doing Steph stuff in college. Jimmer was pulling up from and obviously Jimmer came after Steph, but I'm saying Jimmer was was pulling from 30, 40 feet out like Steph was in the league now. 
and doing that, hitting clutch shots from those areas. Um, but like I said, he just it just didn't really work out for him in the league. And now here's the thing. Jimmer was drafted 10th, so there's nine guys ahead of him. But listen to the guys that even went after him. And now I'm not – here's the thing. It, it, it's hard to hold it against teams that passed up on these guys. And, you know, at the time, Jimmer – yeah, Jimmer will go, you know, he's a lottery guy based off of what he did in college. I'm not saying you shouldn't have drafted Jimmer based on the guys behind him. I get all that. But listen to the guys that went behind him. The Morris brothers, Kawhi Leonard, Nikola Vucevic, Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, Bogdanovich, and then with the last pick in that draft, Isaiah Thomas. So you've got uh, one, two, three, four guys that have made all-star teams. Tobias Harris could have made an all-star team maybe with the Clippers last year. Um, the Morris brothers are very solid, and Bogdanovich is very, very solid as well. So a lot of good guys have gone behind him, and considering he was averaging almost 30 in college and he, his career averages in the NBA are six, it's hard to make a case for Jimmer not being a bust, and that's why he is my starting shooting guard on the NBA all-bust team. Last three guys are where it gets fun because these guys are outright, no doubt about it, busts. Um, no hate, but this is just what it is. Uh, starting small forward would be Adam Morrison. He was the third overall pick in 2006. His career numbers in the NBA are 7.5 points per game, 2.1 rebounds, 1.4 assists. He shot 37% from the field, and he has 161 career games played. This dude was big time at Gonzaga, you guys. People, you know, I, I'm of the age where I was a little young to be watching Morrison at Gonzaga, actually. That was kind of before I started really paying attention to hoop. I remember him more as the high five guy on the Lakers championship teams. That's really what I remember Adam Morrison as. He was he was in a suit, high five and everyone. One of the late night shows made a, a highlight tape of his highlights from the finals, and it was just all high fives. Um You know, he he uh he played 78 games his first year. He averaged eleven a game. Then the year after that, he suffered a knee injury uh, and didn't play the whole year due to the knee injury. And then after that, he never really figured it out. He was in the league two more years, and and that was it. Uh, and here's the thing. He's another guy that a, a lot of real solid NBA players have been picked after him. So he went third overall in 2006. Here are the guys that went after him. Brandon Roy, Rudy Gay, J.J. Redick, Rajon Rondo, Kyle Lowry, Paul Millsap. And then a lot of solid role players, names like uh, Tabo Cephalosha, Randy Foy, Jordan Farmar, Shannon Brown. So... A pretty a pretty solid draft, and a guy that averaged seven and a half points his game his whole career and only played 161 games went third. Adam Morrison, you are the starting three on the All NBA Bus team. Power forward. This is the guy. Uh, and like I said, a lot of people throw Kwa, uh, Kwame's name in there. Sam Bowie. Uh, the guy I actually have at my starting center. His name gets thrown in as well. But the guy I have is probably the worst bust of all time. And I really don't even blame him as much as I do the team that drafted him, is Anthony Bennett. Because Anthony Bennett was not a first overall pick. He shouldn't have been the first overall pick in the 2013 draft like he was. I didn't. He had a good year at UNLV and stuff, but I didn't even really know a lot about Anthony Bennett. And all of a sudden, he was the first overall pick. Now, I get it. The 2013 draft was a little weird. You guys remember who won the Rookie of the Year from that draft class? 
Michael Carter Williams. So it's not even like there was some guy that just came on the scene and was like, oh, wow, he's gonna he's about to be just the best player from this draft class. Because Michael Carter Williams, his rookie year was dang near his best year. But Victor Oladipo got drafted after him. That's an all-star. Otto Porter got drafted after him. That's a solid NBA player with a nice contract. C.J. McCollum got drafted after him. Now, he's not an all-star, but if he was in the Eastern Conference, he definitely would be an all-star. And, you know, he's might go down as one of the best players to probably never make an all-star team in his career. And Giannis. Now, I get it. Giannis was more of a risk at the time. He was young. It took him time to develop. If you would have taken Giannis number one overall, people would have been freaking out. So I understand that. But you took Anthony Bennett number one overall, and people were freaking out about that. And his career numbers are 4.4 points per game, 3.1 rebounds, 0.5 assists, 39% field goal uh, percent shooting. And he played 151 career games. That's pretty bad for a number one overall pick, you guys. That's pretty dang bad. So Anthony Bennett is the starting power forward on the NBA All-Bus team. Lastly, my starting center is the one, the only, Darko Milicic. He was drafted second overall in the 2003 draft. He hung around for a little while as he played 468 games. He averaged 6 points, 4.2 rebounds, uh, 0.9 assists, and shot 46% from the field. Uh, Milicic, to give him a little bit of credit, he got drafted in a tough situation. Uh, He was the second overall draft pick due to a trade, and Detroit got to pick him up. Detroit won the finals the next year. So, so this team is, this is a very, he got drafted to a really good team where usually a second overall pick is getting drafted somewhere where it's like, even if you don't play good, you're going to get a bunch of minutes. But still, at some point you have to produce. And he got traded and stuff and he was the backup center in Orlando for a minute and he, he went to Memphis for a little while and stuff, but he, he could never figure it out. Six points, 4.2 rebounds for a guy that got drafted second overall. And now you guys might be thinking, well, okay, but Kwame was just as bad, and he went first overall. Yep, but listen to who went after Darko Milicic. And this is why a lot of people just consider him the biggest bust ever, because Detroit took him, and then you've got Hall of Famers coming in after him. So obviously LeBron went before him, but then Melo, Bosh, D. Wade, and then a lot of guys that stayed in the league a long time as role players, including Kyle Korver. The 2003 draft is maybe one of the best drafts ever, along with that 1984 draft. And you took Darko Milicic, number two. And one of the greatest scores ever came after that with Melo. And then Chris Bosh, who's going to be a Hall of Famer, probably should be. And then D. Wade, who's, in my opinion, the third greatest shooting guard ever. And then, like I said, good role players. One of the greatest shooters ever, Kyle Korver. A lot of guys. And Darko averaged 6 points, 4.2 rebounds. It's tough. Um, you know, it's nothing against any of these guys on the list, man. It's it's hard. The M- this is a league of pros. But I'm just going off of where you got drafted, how you played. You These guys are all busts. And I don't even like to use that word all the time because I think it's unfair because situations create things. I get all that. But 
It's a thing that happens in sports. Guys flop. Guys don't produce the way we expect them to based on where they're drafted. And this doesn't mean all these guys are just terrible. I don't think you can say any of these guys are terrible. They all made the NBA. Everyone listening to this right now, none of us are in the NBA. So none of these guys are terrible by any means. But we're judging things based on an NBA standard. And by the NBA standard, my honorable mentions are Sam Bowie and Kwame Brown. And then, to review, the NBA All-Bus Team starting five. At point guard, Jay Williams. At shooting guard, Jimmer Fredette. At small forward, Adam Morrison. At power forward, Anthony Bennett. And at center, Darko Milicic. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so today we got to talk, what do we talk about today? Talked a little bit about uh, Andrew Wiggins, looking like he learned how to play basketball in an impactful way. We talked about how impressive uh, the Boston Celtics have been, uh, despite my concern, my little bit of concern I have for who is going to be your go-to guy in a playoff series, unless they just take the approach, hey, we don't have a go-to guy, we, we run by committee, um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but like I said, very impressed by the Celtics. Uh, we talked about why Gehrig is an idiot, and I gave you guys the NBA All-Bus Team. Uh, so there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. This has been episode 37 of At The Buzzer. Please subscribe to the podcast, spread the word about At The Buzzer, and show support on any form of social media. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we will see you next time.